This is The Other Side of Midnight. That is Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett singing Cheek to Cheek. A terrific song. If you ever want to know what songs we play on this show, uh, just join our Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. Coming up at 2 o'clock, we have John McDonough and uh, Marlena Schiavo. Uh, They're going to chew the fat on the news of the day. But... The nice thing, if there is a nice thing, about seeing what's happening with Ukraine and Russia is at least there's no more problems with China. At least we don't have to worry about China at all anymore. At least all the problems that America has had with China over the course of the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years are all gone. The problems of uh, currency manipulation and human rights and borrowing and uh, buying Chinese products, those are all gone. Oh, wait. They're not all gone. They're still here and could be exacerbated by the geopolitical matters that we're seeing play out in Eastern Europe. Well, I have to tell you, I'm a movie guy and a guy that likes to follow foreign policy. And for many years, I have been puzzled, troubled and curious all at the same time over the seemingly overnight switch that we have seen in American multiplexes. American moviegoers went from seemingly overnight being able to see films made by Hollywood like Red Corner with Richard Gere, which was a great film, which was kind of critical of the communist Chinese government. And films like Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt to all of the sudden nothing that comes out of Hollywood is critical of China. How did we get here? Why are we here? Where are we going? Those are a few of the issues that are explored in a terrific book called Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural Supremacy. Its author, Eric Schwartzel, who also happens to be a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, where he cover, covers all sorts of material in the um, Los Angeles Bureau of the Wall Street Journal. Kind enough to join us this morning. Eric, thanks so much for joining me. Congratulations on such a terrific book. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So um, how does China control Hollywood, Eric? Why would Hollywood movie studios in America care about what the communist Chinese government wants made? The short answer is money. So over the past decade and a half or so, the Chinese box office has grown at a clip. I'm talking double-digit percentage growth every year as China has built more and more theaters. And at the same time, the number of ticket sales in the U.S. has flatlined. So ticket sales around 2008 started to go flat in the U.S., while they were growing in China. And so it didn't take long for the studios here in Hollywood to realize that that was where the growth was. And so if they were going to access that growth and access those ticket sales, that meant one thing, which was making movies that could pass Chinese censorship. So I mentioned Seven Years in Tibet, that Brad Pitt film. Was that sort of a game changer when it came to Hollywood and its relationship with China? It was. It was a cautionary tale because it came out in 1997. So Hollywood movies had just started being exported to China, but the market was really an economic afterthought. There was no reason to think about China when you were making a movie because there weren't, there wasn't much money to be made there at all. 
But when Seven Years in Tibet was made by Sony, it's a movie about a young Dalai Lama, and it's also a movie about Mao Zedong's invasion of Tibet. So certainly some history that Chinese leaders do not want to see on screen. When the movie was made, even though it wasn't going to be released in China, Chinese authorities let their displeasure with it very clear, and they actually banned Sony from operating in the market for a year after its release. And and this isn't not this is not just Sony the studio. It was Sony the parent company as well. So it was a cautionary tale in that it taught Hollywood that if you wanted to access the Chinese market, you couldn't anger China because more than just a movie might be at stake. So as of now, in the year 2022, what are the rules? What films made in America are allowed to be shown and distributed in China? So there's a limit. So about 34 films from outside China are allowed onto Chinese screens a year. Most of those are still American movies, and most of them are still going to be the biggest American movies. So the Marvel superhero movies, your Fast and Furious films, those are the ones that typically get sent to China. And oftentimes, if you think about it, those movies don't really have any issues. They're PG, PG PG-13, family-friendly films. But nonetheless, the studios still have to submit them for approval by the Chinese censors, which means sometimes they'll take things out that no one could have ever anticipated. For example, in a Mission Impossible movie released in 2006, there was a scene in which Tom Cruise is running through the streets of Shanghai, and he runs past laundry that's drying outside of apartment buildings on clotheslines. And the Chinese authorities requested that that be removed from the image because they thought it made China look more backwards than they wanted. And so it goes it goes down to such cosmetic changes as that. I mean, so it, you can imagine if there's sensitivity around dirty laundry, anything that has to do with criticism of China, criticism of Chinese state policy, or any history that China would rather have Americans or moviegoers around the world forget is totally off the table. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Eric Schwartzel. He's the author of the book Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural Supremacy. Now, let's talk about those uh, those films that are allowed to be distributed in China. I've noticed that a lot of the big-budget blockbusters over the course of the last uh, 10 years or so, they seem to place an increasing emphasis on Chinese characters or China itself being the good guy. Uh, we saw The Martian, where the technology that saved the, the main character was made by China. We saw Gravity, where um, the uh, Sand- where one of the characters, I think Sandra Bullock, was rescued by a, a Chinese spacecraft. Independence Day, the sequel. Remember the first Independence Day, where America had no problem beating the aliens on their own. The second one, they needed the Chinese to help. The arrival, the hero in that film is a communist Chinese uh, general. Is it a concerted effort on the part of these American Hollywood studios to feature Chinese characters or the Chinese government in a positive manner in order to help them get that distribution to the billion people that are in China? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great collection there <laughs> that you that you pulled of of plot changes that were made with China in mind. In some cases, yes, I'd say you know with an example like The Martian, it's a little trickier because that was the the story in the original book that 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 there was this Chinese space station that was going to help 
come to the rescue. But in other cases, you're absolutely right. And the Independence Day sequel is a really good one to look at because, as you said, the original film released in the mid-'90s, a classic of, of my childhood for sure, is is all about the Americans leading the effort against the invading aliens. And then by the time the sequel comes out, uh, what was it, around 2015, 2016 or so, there's this intergalactic space force that is well-stocked with Chinese soldiers. And and it's, a couple things are happening there. One is that it might help get those movies onto Chinese screens. The, the more likely strategy at play there is that once the movie is in China, it will sell more tickets there. Oh. So there was this moment in 2015 or 2016 when studio chiefs were not only saying, what do we need to do to avoid angering China, but what can we do? How can we work China into this? And this is when you started to see a lot of movies come out with these, as you said, these rather random, unnecessary detours to China. And oftentimes one of the favorite strategies was casting Chinese actors and actresses in these small roles. And and what the studios would do is they would release images of these actors and actresses and make it look like they had a much bigger part than they actually did. And so then the Chinese audiences would show up to see their favorite movie stars and then find out that it was nothing more than a glorified cameo. And the audiences in China, you know, I think it took Hollywood a minute to realize, are as smart as audiences everywhere. They know when they're being pandered to. And eventually, the audiences in China really turned on this strategy. And they started calling mm. these actors, and they called these actresses flower vases. So even the Chinese audiences aren't crazy about American movie studios pandering to them. Right. I mean, I think I think especially as China's own film industry has commercialized and grown more sophisticated, audiences there have come to see through a lot of those tactics. So we, we're in this world right now where Chinese movies are making hundreds of millions of dollars routinely at the Chinese box office. These are movies that you and I have never heard of, but they are these massive blockbusters in the home market. And it's causing Chinese audiences to turn away from Hollywood films and grow even more skeptical of any Hollywood film that's bending over backwards to appeal to them. You you have an interesting chapter in the book uh, all about Steven Spielberg in Beijing. What was his experience? In Beijing, and what? What I mean, he's one of the most celebrated filmmakers of all time. Uh, certainly, he wouldn't have to cower to the communist Chinese government. What happened with Steven Spielberg? This is back. This is another fascinating kind of bookend to look at. This is back in 2006, right before the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, which seemed like night and day compared to the Olympics we just had in Beijing. Um, It was a moment when I think there was quite a bit of optimism about China entering the world stage, certainly a lot of optimism in China about entering the world stage. And Steven Spielberg was hired to serve as a consultant on those opening ceremonies. I don't know if you remember, but the the opening ceremony of the Beijing Summer Olympics was really quite a spectacle, a a sight to behold. And it was directed by a prominent and well-respected Chinese director named Zhang Yimou, who brought Steven Spielberg in to help him out. It wasn't long after Spielberg's involvement was announced that the actress Mia Farrow and her son Ronan Farrow started publishing commentary pieces in the Wall Street Journal calling out 
Spielberg's involvement with China. And, and at the time, the Chinese government had been supporting the government of Sudan, where there was a, a massive genocide in Darfur. And they, they said, you know, that Spielberg's involvement in the Olympics was a tacit endorsement mm. of that government and their policies. And eventually Spielberg dropped out, but it was really an early sign of some of the political pressure that would come with doing business in China. But I have to say, you know, one of the themes that would emerge when I was reporting this book was just how eventually it seemed almost everyone gets back into China or falls back into under China's spell. Because in 2016 or so, around eight years after those Olympics, Spielberg himself cut a deal with a Chinese company, Alibaba, which started investing in his films. Wow. Now, we're talking with Eric Schwartzel. He's the author of the book Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural Supremacy. It's a terrific book. We're not even scratching the surface of the sorts of things that are in there. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, certainly if there was a non-controversial, innocuous character in the history of cinema and the history of animation, it would be Winnie the Pooh. What was his issue in China? He's a very controversial figure in China because – in, in China, all social media is monitored. And so any criticism of the government is dangerous, frankly. Um, and, and speaking out on social media or um, in public forums against Xi Jinping is, is a no-go. And so the people of China have come up with all these sort of creative ways to talk about things without really talking about them. And one, you know, rather unkind strategy that emerged when talking about Xi Jinping, who's a rather uh, a portlier guy, would be to refer to him as Winnie the Pooh. And when the Chinese authorities were turned on to this, they started scanning for references to Winnie the Pooh and removing those. But they also then stopped importing any Winnie the Pooh merchandise, cartoons, imagery, all Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh is essentially persona non grata in China because of that association. What goes on when it comes to censorship and movies that are made here in the United States, maybe films like Red Dawn, World War Z, if they want distribution in China, what kind of changes do they need to make? Well, so the, the, the process is relatively simple. After a movie is finished, if, if, it, if a studio wants to try to get it into China – They will ship it over for Chinese authorities to watch and tell them if it will be approved or not. And so it's only taken a couple high-profile rejections for every studio to absorb what is allowed and what isn't allowed. And there have been also some really high-profile cautionary tales along the lines of what we talked about whenever we we were referencing seven years in Tibet. So I'll give you an example, which is in 2009... MGM wanted to remake the film Red Dawn, which back in the 1980s, I mean, has been coming up quite a bit this week for obvious reasons. Was <laughs> well, about, about Russia. A group, exactly. I've got a group of teenagers who have to help fend off a Soviet invasion of the U.S. Now, that was a Charlie Sheen film, right? Exactly. Patrick right. Swayze, Charlie Sheen. You know, classic example of 1980s kind of Cold War cinema. MGM wants to remake it, but in 2009, remaking it with Russia as the villain doesn't make any sense. Again, I I appreciate the irony here of of the week we're talking about it. 
And so when MGM puts it into production, they said, we're going to remake it, but China will be the invading force. And they go and they, they have two writers write the script. They shoot the film. They complete production. And then Chinese authorities hear about this plan. And they hear that there is a movie being made of where China is the aggressor and the antagonist. And they make it very clear that this will be a problem. And MGM has a lot to worry about because MGM releases James Bond films, which are massive hits in China. And those James Bond films are not going to be shown in China if MGM releases a movie like this original Red Dawn. And so they do something extraordinary. They send this completed film to a special effects company and pay this company a million dollars to secretly swap out every flag, every reference to China, and replace it with North Korea. And the film is released as a North Korean invasion of the U.S. and not a Chinese one. And what, what was fascinating was when I went back to do some research for this for my book, I found that at the time, it wasn't, it wasn't um, a mystery. People knew that MGM was doing this, but there wasn't a significant amount of pushback, I think because at the time, there wasn't tensions between the U.S. and China weren't as high as they are now. It wasn't until years later that I think a lot of critics of Hollywood started to say it's decisions like that that made the film industry complicit in China's rise. Now, uh, and if people tuning in, Eric Schwartzel, the book is Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for, for Cultural Supremacy. Read this book, please. It's a, it's a real eye-opener. We've seen Hollywood studios, Disney, other studios, whenever a state passes very controversial legislation, whether it's something like uh, abortion legislation in a state like Texas or something like voting rights legislation in a state like Georgia – We've seen repeatedly these Hollywood studios say, well, well, we are pulling our production right out of that state. We can't be part of a state past such a draconian law. Why do we not seem see that sort of same willingness to stick to your ideological guns when it comes to distribution in China as we do when it comes to production in the United States? It's, you, know, I, you know, I think you've hit on something that, that drives critics of Hollywood and Hollywood's policy toward China absolutely crazy. I mean, I've actually even already seen it um, coming up this week as a lot of the studios pull their films out of Russia, um, saying, you know, why are you acknowledging a humanitarian crisis here but not there? And, and I think that for a long time, China operated a little out of sight, out of mind. But and I, and I think also that the, the studios knew that the American attention span for controversy in China is relatively short. Um, I think that's changing, though. I think for a while, every time a movie star had to apologize in Mandarin or a, a, comp- a company like Disney found itself in hot water for doing business in China, it frankly tended to be a little one-sided in the criticism. It tended to be something that, that politicians usually on the right would would be critical of. I have found, even in the promotion of this book over the past couple of weeks, that it's grown to be more and more of a bipartisan concern. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you answered the next question that I was going to ask about movie studios pulling their films out of Russia in the wake of this uh, invasion of Ukraine. But 
we haven't seen that same sort of willingness when it comes to standing up for uh, human rights abuses in China. Eric, it's a fascinating book. Uh, You've given me a lot to think about. I hope we can chat again soon. I'm wishing you the best of luck with this book. Anytime. It was my pleasure. Uh, Eric Schwartzel, the book is Red Carpet.